Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. You know I'm excited to preach when I start off with the title. If you've been at our church for any amount of time, you know I'll preach for 20 minutes, then give you the title, and then three points. And so, but today we're going to start with the title. I want to speak to you. We're in a sermon series called It's Time. And I want to speak to you on the topic, what time is it? What time is it? Go ahead, try and find the neighbor and ask him, what, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? You know, one of the uh, side effects of this lockdown, I mean, I guess we can't call it a lockdown anymore, but just this unprecedented season that we're living in. And I don't know if you've felt it or not like me. Just support me with your voices. And I know I can't hear you that well behind your mask, so we're going to have to also create creative ways to shout me down. Claps are great. Foot stomps also work. If you have anything you'd like to throw at me that's soft, you can do that. That's welcome and acceptable. Um, but uh, that was a joke. Appreciate you laughing. Um, that's thank you. Now we're getting the hang of it. And so I, need, I just need to know that you agree with me. I don't know if you've experienced this or not. But in this season, I have experienced somewhat of a disconnect with time. Anybody else experience that? Thank you. That's what I'm about. I don't know if you've ever woken up sometime in the last four months five months and have no idea what day it is, what time it is, people going to sleep at 3 a.m., waking up at 2 p.m., and just control, completely losing all track of time. If that's you, I want you to know I'm glad that I'm not alone, but I also want you to know you're not alone. Reports from all over the world were coming in to, uh, to scientists saying, hey, I'm losing track of time. I'm not sure what time it is. And scientists have a theory that the reason why is because time, the reason why is because people have been experiencing isolation and a lack of routine. In other words, what we do tells us what time it is. And what time it is tells us what to do. If I tell you it's 12 p.m., you will tell me it's lunchtime. If I tell you it's 10 p.m., you will tell me it's bedtime. If I told you it's Sunday, you would tell me it's time to go to church. If I told you it was a Monday through Friday, 5 p.m., you would say it's time to go home or, depending on how long you've been attending Journey Church, happy hour. We don't judge. Amen. We don't judge. This is why we have calendars. This is why we have schedules. This is why we have routines. This is why we have planners. It literally brings order, structure, guidance, and direction to our lives. But what happens when your calendar gets canceled? What happens when your schedule gets shaken up? What happens when your routine gets rocked? What happens when your plans get postponed? It's not just time you lose track of, but you feel lost yourself. And I think there's a lot of people in this season of life today who are feeling a bit lost, feeling a bit confused, feeling a bit uncertain. Let me bring it home for you. I have experienced this in my own personal life, very real on Sundays. 
Because you got to understand my life. I, I grew up in church. Like my whole life I grew up in church. Like most people learn how to swim uh, at the YMCA. I learned how to swim in the baptism pool, okay? It's just, I just grew up every day in church. So from my whole existence, there was a rhythm and routine to my life about going to church on Sunday. And for the first time in 33, almost 34 years, I don't know why I felt compelled to say 34. Um, sometimes I just feel like letting you know, like I'm not 17. I know I look it, but I am an adult um, with a wife and children. And what was I talking about? Oh yeah, so, so preaching and coming to church. And, so, and so, it, so for the first time in five months, I wouldn't go to church on Sunday. We were doing pre-recordings at the time. We pretended like they were live, but secret. They weren't. We would actually record them on Thursday nights. And, uh, and it was really weird. And a lot of good things didn't come from it personally and mentally and emotionally with, with me. Uh, I went through a lot. And, uh, but it also good because I got to relate with my wife. Because Liz, I asked her for permission to share this story this morning. Liz has this crazy thing she does in the middle of the night and has done it since we got married 12 years ago. Every once in a while, is it safe to say like once a month? Would that be an exaggeration? Once a month, Liz wakes up in the middle of the night afraid that I have died or something bad has happened to me. When we first got married, I thought it was like prophetic. I was a little concerned. I would be sleeping when we first got married. You never really know somebody until you share a bed with a Let me just tell you right now. We need to add that to the vows. In sickness and in health and in all the weird stuff that you do. Amen. She would wake up at 1, 2 in the morning and she would go, Oh my God, babe, are you okay? And she would put her hand on me. She would be like, are you all right? Are you okay? Are you here? Are you all right? And when we first got married, I was like, what is happening right now? I was all right. I was okay. Guys, it's been 12 years. She did this last week. <laughs> Just wakes up in the night, thinks something happened. The reason why I say I can finally, we can't get rid of it. We don't know what to do. We, we've tried essential oils. Uh, we've tried diet. We've tried exercise. We've tried exorcisms. <laughs> None of it's working. Um, but I can finally relate. Because you got to understand, for 30-something years, I've always had to wake up, or for 25 years, I've had to wake up on Sunday and preach. So I would wake up on Sundays at 5 a.m. That's my routine. 5 a.m., wake up, go downstairs, get coffee, stop preparing to preach. I would wake up at 5 a.m., I didn't even tell this, and I would feel like I had to preach. But church wasn't happening that day. And furthermore, I didn't have a sermon because I preached it on Thursday. <laughs> so I would wake up. Every Sunday morning, terrified. <laughs> like, oh my God, I gotta preach. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. When people say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come help me. Shout out Aboko. And I'll just, you know, I need your supernatural help because I, I ain't got it today. Listen, I wrestled with anxiety. I wrestled with fear because I wasn't sure about the time. I wasn't certain about what I was supposed to do in this moment. I wanna preach to you today on the topic of uncertainty. Is there anybody, say amen, if you are living in a season or a moment of uncertainty today. Say amen. Amen. That'll give me a second to drink some water. Uncertainty. 
uncertainty, not sure really what time it is and you don't know what to do. I wonder if anybody's living in that season, maybe you don't know what time it is. You're not really sure if it's time to, to push forward or fall back. You're not sure if it's time to plant your feet or pivot. You're not sure because of everything that's going on in the world, if it's time to trace your dream, to chase your dream or put your dream on hold. You're just not sure. I think we got parents that are uncertain whether it's time to put their kids in school this fall or do homeschool and virtual school with them this fall. I think we got teachers that are not sure if it's time to go back to work or if it's time to find another job. I think we got restaurant owners who are not sure if it's time to open up or is it time to lay off some workers. I know they got families to feed, but maybe we can't keep the doors open. There are pastors all over the U.S. who are wrestling. If it's, is it time to regather? Is it time to... To, to, to stay at home and just do online church and that's all that we do. And it's such a hard question to answer. There's no right answer because we're living in uncertain times. And the word that God gave me to tell you today is instead of trying to change the times, I think we're going to have to learn to live with it. And I think we're going to have to learn to embrace, not just embrace, but lean in to the uncertainty of our lives. When COVID hit, I started going to see a therapist, a counselor. I always thought that I needed it, but I never really had the time for it. And then once COVID hit, I was like, I need it and I'm gonna make the time for it. <laughs> so COVID puts your pastor in counseling, amen. I don't know if that makes you feel better about yourself or worse about your church, I don't care. But I went and I went to my counselor and I told them something's wrong with me. So I'm wrestling with a lot of anxiety. I'm wrestling with a lot of fear. And, I'm, and, I, and I shared everything that's going on in my life in the church. And I couldn't see any of you guys for so many weeks. And I was so worried about you. I didn't know if you were doing well or, or not. And, uh, and then he told me, he says, nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong in you. He said, you don't understand the times. You're living in a pandemic right now. You're trying to lead a church that you can't physically see. You've got the weight of all these families on you. And it freed me to realize, I don't know if you ever came to this realization, that I'm not crazy. <laughs> that I should be stressed and I should be a little worried and I should be a little anxious because, because it's normal considering the times. What freed me wasn't changing of the times. What freed me was understanding the times. I want to help you understand the time and season that you're living in today, not just so that you can make the most of it, but so that you can embrace it and lean into it. And we're going to do that by looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 22, verse 10. It's a great story. I'll read it and then I'll explain it. 2 Chronicles 22, verse 10. When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family of the house of Judah. Now, Ahaziah was the son or one of the sons of King David down the lineage. Athaliah was his mother. When Ahaziah died, Athaliah saw an opportunity to consolidate power. And so she said, if I can kill my son, because whoever was the son of David was supposed to be the next king. Are you, are you following me? Say, say amen. Whoever was the next son of David was supposed to be the king. So she went out to kill all the sons of David, which, by the way, are her grandsons. She went out to kill them all just so that she could be the only one in power. And when the people of Judah saw that the entire Davidic line was being wiped out, listen, they freaked out. They, they thought it was over. Why? Because the Davidic line for them wasn't just a dynasty, it was a destiny. Through the Davidic line is supposed to come the Messiah. Jesus Christ eventually does, the savior of the world. So you got to see it from their perspective. When they think of that all of David's children are wiped out, here's what they're thinking. All of the promises that God spoke over our people have just come to an end. 
Every good thing that God said that he would do in our lives, every dream that we had, it's over. It's over. It's not going to happen because it's gone. Here's what, I, here's what I'm trying to tell you. For the people of Judah, it wasn't just uncertain times. It was the end times. One of the best things you can do to navigate uncertain times in your life is you got to be able to keep the uncertain times from converting into end times in your mind. Are you tracking with me? I have found and discovered that the trauma of catastrophe is not in the catastrophe itself, but in the catastrophic thinking that follows. It's not bad things that happen to you. It's when a bad thing happens to you and all of a sudden you start to think, my life's over. I'm never going to be the same again. This is going to, this is going to help me. It's, it's, it's going to catastrophic thing. You got to prevent uncertain times from becoming, because you can't always prevent the catastrophe, but you can't prevent catastrophic thinking. I don't know if you're like me, but my mind always goes to the worst case scenario in every situation. I shared this story one time before, but I went downstairs one time. We have a lot of windows in my house. My wife thought that was a good idea for the sunlight. I thought it was a bad idea because killers. And so I remember she got, she has curtains for all of my windows, but there's one sliding door we have in the back. I don't know if I should be saying this, but we got one sliding door in the back. Don't have no blinds on it whatsoever, no curtains. I said, baby, you need to get curtains for that sliding door right there. She said, how come? I said, because somebody could walk into our backyard, create a detailed schedule of our lives because they see everything, find out when we're sleeping, and then kill us all in our sleep. <laughs> because there were not curtains. My wife looked at me and she was like, who hurt you? Who, who betrayed your trust? Who killed, who killed somebody you love? Why do you, I don't know why I thought that. My mind just absolutely went to that place. The people of Judah, listen, they went to that place. They went to that end time. They lost track of the time because they lost track of the promise because they, they looked at what they saw. Listen to me. And they, and, they, and they brought the promise of God that God would send them a deliverer. They brought the, the promise of God down to the level of their predicament. You, you, you can't do that. You can't allow your promise to come down to the level of your predicament. You got to lift up your predicament to the level of your promise. You cannot trust what you see. How many people know that's to be true? You can't trust what you see. Two times a year, every year, two times a year, my microwave and my car lie to me. Every year. Happens on the same two days every year. Daylight savings. Two days a year, I go down to my kitchen and the time is off. I go into my car and the time is off. And it's always off by an hour. And I, once I see that the time is off, you know what I got to do? I got to pull out my phone and I got to make sure that I adjust what I see to what I know to be true. Because my phone has got a connection. I'm not going to adjust my phone to what I see. I'm going to adjust what I see to my connection with the heavens, with up there. And so I'm going to lift it up. If God told me that my life is not over, then I don't care what I see. It's not over. If God says he has good plans for me, then I don't care what I'm experiencing. He's got good plans for me. I'm going to adjust and I'm going to align my life to his word. I'm not going to do the reverse. I'm not going to let, you got you to be careful what you see. Don't let what you see on the news. Don't let what you see on social media. 
Don't let what your friends and family members tell you about the day and age that we're living in convince you that God's promises have ceased. Don't, don't come down to that level. You got to lift it up to God's word, to that level. And had the people, had the people held on to the promise, they would have adjusted their feelings. Because God was going to save them just like he planned it. 2 Chronicles 22, 11. But Jehoshaphat, actually Noah, Jehoshaphat, in case you're looking for a great child name, Jehoshaphat's a good one. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Joash. Joash was the last remaining son of David. So this is more than a baby. I need you to understand this. This is the promise. It's through this baby that the destiny is going to be fulfilled. Took Joash, son of Ahaziah, and stole him. Somebody say stole. Stole him away from among the royal princes who were about to be murdered and put him and his nurse in a bedroom. She hid the child from Athaliah so she could not kill him. Verse 12. And he remained hidden. Somebody say hidden. That's good. With them at the temple of God for six years while Athaliah ruled the land. Turns out that this wasn't the end times after all. Turns out it wasn't even just uncertain times. I got new vocabulary for you to navigate this season. Are you ready? If you're ready, say amen. Here's some new vocabulary. It wasn't the end times. It wasn't even just uncertain times. It was just the meantime. Ooh, the meantime. You, if you're taking notes, write that down. The meantime. You are living in the meantime. They had a promise, and that promise had not been fulfilled, but they weren't supposed to give up hope. They were supposed to hold on to the promise. When life doesn't look like what God promised, it is not the end time, it's the meantime. It's the meantime. You can, you can write it like this. If, you, if you're taking notes, put this down. If your story doesn't end in victory, that just means you're not at the end of your story. Come on, that's good. If your story doesn't end in victory, that just means it's not the end of your story. It ain't over because I know what God promised to me. I know I'm not living in the end times. This is just the, the meantime. So I'm going to keep believing this is not the end for me. I love how the author uses the word stole and hidden interchangeably. Isn't that good? Because I think there are some things we think that the devil has stolen that really God has hidden. There's a big difference between stolen and hidden. How many people know that? There's a big difference between, listen, there's a big difference between me playing hide and seek with justice and justice being kidnapped. I can't find them in both scenarios, but there's a difference. If he's stolen, I don't know if I'll ever see him again. But if he's hidden, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. God told me to tell somebody today, there are things in your life that you think are stolen and they are not stolen, they are hidden and it is just a matter of time. You are not experiencing certain things in your life you thought you would have experienced by now and I want to tell you it's not a matter of faith. Well, I don't have enough, if I had enough faith that I could tell that mountain to jump into the sea and it would jump into the sea. If I only had more faith, it's not a matter of faith. It's not a matter of sin. Well, you know, I don't know, you know, I watched that rated R movie the other day and I probably shouldn't watch that rated R movie. And I think that's why COVID's happening. 
It's not a matter of faith. It's not a matter of sin. It's not a matter of skill. It's not a matter of knowledge. It's not a matter of intellect. It's a matter of time. That's what's going to bring the dream into fruition. Time. Some things in life you just got to wait for. Say amen. It's a matter of time. And there's a reason why you're waiting, by the way. You are hidden on a purpose for your maturation and your development. Joash was a baby. He had to get older in order so he could walk in the promise that God gave him. I'll put it to you this way. The promise was in his blood, but the strength was not yet in his bones. You know, you could be ready and not ready for the next level at the same time. You can be ready and not ready at the same time. Your gift and your talent and your communications and your skill can be ready for the next level of life, but your character not ready. And God will withhold it until they all get ready. How many people know that your body goes through puberty? But just because your body goes through puberty and your body is ready to make a baby, just because your body is ready to make a baby doesn't mean you're ready to be a father. There, there, there's different levels to this. You got to get ready. And God is holding back his promises not because he's being mean, but because he's being merciful. Because he knows that if he gave you what you've been asking for right now, it would kill you. They would kill you. You, you are not, it has not been stolen, it has been hidden. That's why you've been getting no at every turn. You know how it's one of the best ways to know that you're in the meantime? <laughs> you keep getting no from people. Every answer you get in life seems to be a no. Can you imagine Joe Ash, two years old, three years old? First off, have you ever tried to keep a two-year-old quiet? Mind you, he's living in the temple. Somebody's trying to kill him. They got to keep this baby quiet for six years. Mm-mm, not me. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Could you imagine that? You imagine how many times the priests who were in charge of him said no? Can I go outside? No. You will literally die if you go outside. <laughs> Can we sing a song? No. If you make noise, they will know that you are in here and you will literally die if you sing. Can we play ball? No. Because if you play ball, you might hit your head and then cry and you will literally die if you play ball. <laughs> Can I laugh? No. If you laugh, you will literally die. All of the no's is a great way for you to realize you are in the meantime. Is there a prayer you're asking God and he said no? Is there a door you're trying to open but it won't open and you're getting a no? Is there an opportunity you tried to take advantage of but it failed? Was that, that is a no. When you're getting no, you need to encourage yourself because the no is just a sign that you are in the meantime. I always said this, the season of anonymity is often the prequel of the season of prosperity. It's often when people don't know what's going on in your life or what's happening and when you're hidden and nobody knows your name where God's getting ready for the biggest things in your life. And you know how he made it too, by the way, how he made it through those six years of no, 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 no. Here's how I think he made it because he was hidden in the temple. Oof. I love that. What a nice way to put it. Hidden in the temple. You know there's another way to put it? Quarantine. You know, you know, another way to say hidden in the temple, I'm locked up. <laughs> they won't let me out. <laughs> I, I, 
I'm stuck. Only I can sing it. I'm the pastor. Um, just playing. Just playing. Right? I'm just kidding. So it wasn't, they were hidden in the temple, but they were, here's what God told me to tell you. You got to learn to see your prison as a temple. You got to learn to see your cell as a sanctuary. If God has got you in a season of waiting, it's not just for waiting's purpose, it's for worship's purpose. God had to keep everyone else out so it could just be him and Joash, him and Joash. You're waiting and God said no, so it could just be you and him, you and him. So you can learn to worship, learn to get close, learn to love your God. It's not a cell, it's a sanctuary. What's going to make you, what's going to help you get through this season, oh my goodness, is learning how to worship while you wait. Remember the song, Whistle While You Wait? Some of y'all are going to have to worship while you wait. Well, here's my last point. We'll ask the worship team to come out. Second Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1 through 3. And in the seventh year, seventh year, Jehoiada showed his strength. And they all gathered. Who's they? All the influential officers and families at the temple of God, where they made a solemn pact with Joash, the young king. Jehoiada said to them, here is the king's son, and the time has come. Come on, say that on three. One, two, three. The time has come for him to reign just as the Lord promised. I can't wait till God reveals to you what you thought was dead. I cannot wait for you to see the dream that you thought was over for him to reveal. And he goes, no, no, it wasn't dead. It was hidden. And the time has come just like he promised just like he promised just like he's promised you know you're not going to live in the meantime forever one day your time will come if you receive it say amen one day your time will come and i'm gonna go the extra level i'm gonna be all prophet mode right here i'm actually going to tell you when it will come that's right god gave me a word you've been waiting for your promise, your promise will come. I'm going to tell you right now the thing you've been asking God for. And the secret of when he responds is in the number seven. In the seventh year, Jehoiada revealed the promise. Joash was seven years old when he took over the throne. What is significant about the number seven? Why not give him the throne at six? Why not give him the throne at eight? I think there's a special reason for that. And that's because throughout scripture, seven has a very particular meaning. Actually, seven is always connected to waiting. Yeah, I'll prove it to you. If you go to the end of your Bible, you're going to end up at this book called Revelations. Revelations talks about the end of the world, the real end of the world, which, by the way, I don't think we're in it. Some people say, well, Pastor, how can you know? The Bible says nobody will know the time. That's true. Nobody will know the time. But it also says it's going to happen at a time when no one will expect it. And that's what makes it. So when everybody's expect, that's just how you know the world's not going to end when everybody's expecting it to. This is a little side thing. So you can go to sleep tonight. The world's not over. If you go to Revelation, the Bible says that Jesus will come back, that he's going to rescue his church, all the people who confess in him, and then there's going to be a period called the Great Tribulation. There's going to be a lot of pain and a lot of trial on this earth. Guess how long we're waiting for him to come back after that to reset the world? Seven years. In the Bible, we hear about this guy named Jacob who marries two sisters, Rachel and Leah. 
And when he wants to marry these women, he goes to the father. He didn't have any money to offer the father, so he had no dowry. So he said, I'll work for you, and I'll work for her hand. Rachel, guess how long he proposed that he would wait for her hand? He said, I'll work for you for seven years. I will wait seven years years when the world was created God could have done it in one day he's that powerful like he didn't have to take breaks y'all to make it happen but he decided to take seven days to tell the entire story of creation are you seeing the trend are you seeing the theme it's sown through seven is always connected to waiting because seven is the number of perfection I want to introduce to you this final time I call it the perfect time and, and I wish I would have written the slide differently because there's another thing I want to say. It wasn't just the perfect time. For the Jewish person, it was God's time. That's why Jacob went to his father-in-law Laban and said, I'll work seven years. Because what he was saying was, I don't want her before I'm ready for her. I want her when it's God's time. The number seven is so significant in this story because seven is not an indication of when. It's an indication of who. In other words, I'm not waiting for a certain time. I'm waiting for a certain person to do what he said he would do. That's why I can wait. I'm waiting on seven. Come on, somebody. I'm waiting for my promise. I'm waiting on seven. I'm praying on seven. I, I don't need it when. I, it's who. The perfect time. I wrote it like this. If you're taking notes, write it down. The perfect time is not, a, is not a matter of precision. It's a declaration of submission. The perfect time is not a question of precision. It's a declaration of submission. You know what the perfect time is? Because you got to get out of your mind. Because some of you are like, I want to do this, but it's got to be the right time. <laughs> it's got to be the right time. God, is this the right time? Give me the green light so I can go. God, is this the right time? It's not a question of precision. The, the perfect time is saying, God, whenever the time is, I trust in you. I'm not going to get ahead of you. I'm not going to get behind you. I'm just going to wait for you. When it's time for us to gather back at the school, we'll gather back at the school. When it's time for my business to open, my business will open. When it's time for my marriage to be restored, my marriage will be restored. When it's time for my son or my daughter or my brother or my sister to come back to Jesus, they will come back to Jesus. It's not a matter of when. It's a matter of who. I believe in Jesus. I know what he said and if he said it it will come to pass I'm waiting on seven not seven minutes not seven days not seven years but on the perfect timing of my Savior I believe it I trust in him because because here's another one for you because the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing that's a word for anybody who's praying for a baby right now I hope you get your baby but just know that the right thing at the wrong time God knows God knows and I'm going to wait for his perfect timing. There's another reason why I think Joash was seven when he took the throne. Something happens when you're seven as a child. I, I Googled it. I, I thought there has to be another layer to this, Lord. I'm just interested. What are like the kid milestones when you turn seven? And I went on this website. It's called GrowMD. So if you have kids and you want to know if your kids are like hitting all the milestones, I went to GrowMD and I typed in 
Seven years old. So I don't know if we got that slide. It says Grow MD on it. All right. Your child at seven. These are the milestones that your child should be hitting at seven years. Some of them are weird, but I thought I'd show it to you, to, to, to you anyway. The first thing, if your child is seven, they should be able to understand the concept of numbers. That seems fair. That seems fair. The next one, if your child is seven, they should know date from night and left from right. That seems fair. That seems right. This next one really confused me. If your child is seven, they should be able to repeat three numbers backwards. <laughs> and then I said, done. I was like, that's easy. I was like, nine. Eight, seven, eight, seven, nine, eight, seven, nine, eight, seven. Try it. See? <laughs> so anyway, but when I heard this last one, hold on. When I heard this last one, I knew I had a sermon. When I heard that the last, the last milestone for a seven-year-old, I knew I had a preaching. I knew it was God. And I knew that this was a word for you today in this season. Because the last milestone of a seven-year-old. Go ahead. They know what time it is. They can tell time. Here's what I mean by that. In chapter 24, the same book, Joash finally has become king. You know what the first thing he does when he becomes king? He repairs the temple. Why repair the temple? Well, who better to repair the temple than the guy? He's weird calling him a guy because he's seven. But who better to repair the temple than the person who's been living in it for seven years? Ooh, Joash knew where every crack was. Joash knew where every funky smell was. He was like, we got to get that smell out behind the cherubim. It's terrible. Something happened there. I don't know. Joash knew where the stains were on the carpet. Joash knew. And when he finally got out of his waiting season, you know what he realized? He realized why he, why he was waiting all along. In other words, he was able to tell that when he was waiting, he wasn't waiting. He was working. Let me give it to you this way. When you, really, when you really are able to tell time, you understand that even the meantime is the perfect time. That there was no time wasted. That God knew exactly what he was doing right now today to get you ready for the next thing that he has for you. I need you to tell your neighbor right now, this might be an uncertain time. Go ahead, tell them. This might be an uncertain time. But it's also the perfect time. God, it's the perfect time. Come on, I know what's in uncertain time. Put it in the chat. It's the perfect time. It's the per I know what's in uncertain time, but it's the perfect time to believe. I know what's in uncertain time, but it's the perfect time to cry out. I know that it's an uncertain time, but it's the perfect time to dream. I know that it's an uncertain time, but it's the perfect time to hope. I know that it's not a perfect, it's an uncertain time, but it's the perfect time to declare the promises that God has over your life. I know what's in uncertain time, but it's the perfect time to praise. It's the perfect time to worship. It's the perfect time to shout. It's the perfect time to lift up God. I know that it's an uncertain time, but it's a perfect time to sell the world and to tell the enemy that God has not given up on me. I know he's got a plan for my life. I know it feels like uncertain times, but I believe it's the perfect time. It's the perfect time for revival. It's the perfect time for miracles. It's the perfect time for supernatural healing. It's the perfect time for God's spirit to fill a place. I know it feels like uncertain times, but I'm telling you, I think it's the perfect time to restore your relationship with that person. I think it's the perfect time for you to start that business. I think it's the perfect time. God makes no 
for sure ain't the end time. It's the perfect time. Just stand on your feet with me today as we close. It's the perfect time. 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 You've been waiting. God says, it's the perfect time. I can tell that now. I know that now. And I'm waiting for you. I'm not going to get ahead of your plan. I'm not going to fall behind your plan. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on seven. I'm waiting on seven. On seven. On seven. On seven. Waiting on seven. I believe it. I believe it. You are in control. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to lead you through a prayer. This is a prayer of submission. Because you've been wanting some things. And, and God is saying, hold on now. You've got to understand what time you're living in right now. You've been carrying some things, some expectations, hopes and dreams. This is what God's saying. Lay it all on me. Lay it all on me. Lay it all on me. Today is the perfect time for surrender. It's the perfect time to believe again. It's the perfect time to hope. It's the perfect time. Come on, let's pray right now. Would you begin to just lay it on Jesus? Father, we come into your presence today and we ask you, Lord God, to meet us where we are. We have been wrestling with impatience and we have been wrestling with missed expectations and we are not where we thought we'd be or, or doing what we thought we would be doing at this season of our life. But I don't believe I missed it, Lord God. This is a word for somebody. I don't believe I missed it. I don't think it's a matter of precision. I think it's a matter of submission and it's just a matter of time. The thing I've been praying for, the thing I've been fighting for, the thing that I've been hoping for, it's just a matter of time. And so if, if you want it, you can have it, Lord God. If you want it, you can have it. I, I give you all my plans. Come on, this is the perfect time. This is the perfect time to lay it down. This is the perfect time to lay it down. If you want my heart, you got it. Come on, lay it down. You got it. This is the time to submit. You got it. If you want my heart, Father, we lay down our lives. We lay down our plans. We lay down our time.
know if you feel uncertain today or maybe you've been struggling today but I know one thing for certain and it's that God loves you he loves you right where you are right in the season that you find yourself no matter how many wrongs you've done God's there and he loves you in that place how cool is that that we have a God that is so certain that it does not matter what you've done he still loves you now maybe you've heard people talk about that before like God you can have my heart maybe you understand that or maybe this is the first time you really heard people talking about you can have my heart God what does that even mean well what it means is that we start a relationship with him and nothing magical happens there's no like Cinderella thing where we turn around and everything changes but it does change on the inside so I want to give you the opportunity to do that today Maybe this is the first time you're gonna accept Jesus into your heart or maybe just the first time in a really long time. And so what we're gonna do in a second here is I'm gonna count to three and if that's you, I want you to just raise up your hand just as a sign to say, you know what, this is me and this is what I'm gonna do today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're gonna give everybody a moment of privacy. So go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. And if that's you today, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand up to accept Jesus into your heart and to walk this thing out knowing that there is a God who is certain and he certainly loves you. On the count of three, one, two, three. Today's the day for you. Raise that hand up. Raise your hand up. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen, amen. I see your hand. All right, let's all pray this prayer together. If you raise your hand up, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, today's the day. I step into a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sins. All the things that I feel like make me a failure. But one thing is certain. You are good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it a We hope you've enjoyed this message. And we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.